Satsang podcast by Sri, Freedom from Disturbing Thoughts. There have been several accounts of young boys who were kidnapped by wolves. The boy being brought up with a wolf family then developed all the qualities, characteristics, and habits of the wolves that he was brought up with. Now, if we apply this to what happens to a human being, we can see that the baby that's born as a divine being with so much light, so much joy, is then brought up by human beings. And through the upbringing, takes on all the qualities, characteristics, ideas, beliefs, concepts of the human parents. Just like the boy that was brought up by wolves will take on the hunting style, will take on the habitation style of whatever wolves do. And even at an older age, will not speak the language, will not speak English or whatever language their country speaks, but will speak the language of wolves, will have all the senses developed in the way wolves develop to whatever capacity would be possible for a human being. In the same way, a human being takes birth to human parents. Parents that do not have the awareness of the higher self, higher consciousness or higher awareness, will bring the child up in the way that they've been taught, that they've been trained, that they believe is proper in their world. And what we can become aware of as adults through this training the mind and the senses and the body functions in a certain way. So as a human being, the first belief is that I am a human being. I am this person, I am this identity, this name and this form. So that would be the first premise that the human being develops being born into a human family with parents that have this idea or this belief. And then of course whatever spiritual, religious training that they have, they will be trained into that. Whatever intellectual training or lack of intellectual training that they have, they will be trained into that. However, as we know from our practice of meditation, that there is a space of higher consciousness, there is a space of higher awareness that we can tune into through our meditation. So as meditators, we start to examine, we start to inquire, what is it? How does this human being function? How does the mind, senses, body function? And starting from the, this premise as a human being that I am a human being, that I have a mind and body and senses, and then I interact with separate human beings, other people in my world. My parents are separate. My brother and sister are, sisters are separate. And I am separate human being with these qualities, qualifications, which come on to the child later on in life, abilities, disabilities, and inabilities, um, whatever is acquired through the life. However, for the aware being that begins to examine, he or she starts to know, as you can do this in your meditation, that I am the one who's knowing, I am the one who's watching, all these beliefs, thoughts, ideas, qualifications, abilities, lack of abilities, 
I am not the one who is bound through this body, human, mechanism, mind, ego. So as you become aware of this in meditation, through your inner reflection, through your ability to examine and to inquire into who am I, as we talked about in one of the previous podcasts, you start to become aware that the knower is who you are. So now, when you sit in meditation, and as that knower, you start to observe how the mind functions. And you'll observe that sometimes you have nice thoughts, you feel successful, you feel like you've achieved certain things, things have gone your way at certain times, certain milestones or life stages have been reached, and at other times you might feel that you have failed. You have not achieved the things that you want to achieve. You feel fear that you won't have enough for your future. You fear that money will be tight and you won't be able to survive or take care of yourself or your family. Now, this can be observed in people, some people who don't who have very little, and even people who have a lot. The same mechanism of the mind functions because the same thinking mechanism functions where there are desires, whether they're small desires of somebody living in a village, say in India, where there isn't very much, they might desire having some tool for their farming that would be very common to somebody in the West. We see in India that the fields are still plowed um, by hand using animals to plow the fields. So they might have smaller desires, but they're the same desires. Someone living in the Western world might desire um, larger scale things. Now I'm in the West for a short time now, visiting my family in Florida, and you go into one of these big Circuit City video stores and you see these huge flat screen TVs everywhere. You feel like you've gone onto another planet or something when you haven't seen this for a while. And everybody's desiring having one of these big flat screen TVs. Where someone living in a village in India has, who has never seen this would have no desire for such a thing. They maybe have seen a small TV set at a friend's home or somewhere at a hotel, they walked into one, and they might desire even having just a plain old-fashioned TV, but it's still the same desire. So we start to become aware that whether you live on a farm in India with bullock cart that's plowing your field, or you live in Manhattan, South Florida where I am now, some big city, and your desire is for the latest, greatest new automobile, the latest, greatest new TV set. The desire mechanism of the human being is the same. Basically, because the human being is raised to believe that somehow I am separate, I lack something that I need, and my fulfillment will come by satisfying these desires that I have in my head. So this brings us again back to the thinking, back to the thinking mechanism of the human being. 
because when you're in deep sleep, there's no desire. When you're in dream, there might be desires, but they have nothing to do with the reality of the waking state oftentimes. So where does the desire arise? If we examine and if we inquire, you can become aware through your examination and inquiry that as soon as you wake up in the morning, waves appear in the mind. Vrittis appear. We call these waves of perception or thoughts. If the system is settled, more what we call more sattvic, more balanced, less rajas, that activity element of the system, or less tamas, that inertia, stuckedness, stickedness that happens in the system, if there's more sattva, there's more light, then there might be very positive, nice thoughts. You might be excited about your day and happy to get out of bed and possibly you're meeting an old friend that day that you're excited to meet or you have achieved something great at your job and there'll be a sense of satisfaction when you wake up. Other days, something didn't go quite right. You were diagnosed with a medical problem you were unaware of before or a loved one was diagnosed with a med medical problem. Then those types of thoughts will be in the head. Either there'll be rajasic thoughts or tamasic thoughts. Rajasic thoughts would be such that you feel frustrated, like you have to create more energy in your system so that you can do more, achieve more, find out more. Tamasic thoughts will be ones of futility, giving up, discouragement, despondency. And sattvic thoughts will be more balanced. And as Patanjali says in Yogadarshan, that there are two types of thinking. One type of thought is klisht vritti, painful kinds of thoughts that will bring you into trying to fulfill your desires, believing that if you don't fill your desire, fulfill your desire, you will suffer. Thoughts that will bring you into fear, doubt, skepticism, worry, fear of your death, fear of loved one's deaths. Those will be rajasic thoughts. Tamasic thoughts will be ones of sadness, despondency, depression, inability to get up, inability to move. So the system, when it's out of balance, the three gunas are not balanced properly. These three gunas, they really don't mix properly with each other. When those are out of balance, those are the types of thoughts that you will have. So as the meditator, you now become aware of how the mind functions, how the system is when it's out of balance, when it's imbalanced, and how the thinking mind functions. But now as the meditator, being tuned into the knower, being tuned into the watcher of your own mind, you through that distancing of you, the pure being, from the mind, the mental functioning, the tool that the human being uses to perceive the world, you have perspective. And you can see that whatever my mind is thinking, I'm not limited by that. I don't have to be disturbed by it. I don't have to believe it even. So if the system is 
Tamasic, then you realize that your system is Tamasic. Your system is in a condition now where it's not processing information in a way that's bringing you freedom. The vrittis are klished, they're painful thoughts. But you as the watcher are not those thoughts. So you as the watcher, you as the knower, you do not have to believe those thoughts. You do not have to engage in them. That you have power to, to redirect your attention away from those disturbing thoughts, away from those disturbing beliefs, away from those desires that you think you need to fulfill in order to be free. So through meditation, you develop more sattva, you develop more balance. Also through proper diet and exercise, hatha yoga, pranayama, you start to balance your system, you bring in more sattva. So the mind now does not dwell on these disturbing thoughts. The mind does not continue to make you to believe these thoughts and to suffer. You become more established in your own being, which is already pure, free, and forever. Which, whether your desires are fulfilled or not, you still remain fulfilled. So that state of fulfillment, that's you, is now apparent. You begin to live more and more from that perspective, rather than from the perspective of believing that when you attain your desires, you will be free. So as we observe the mind, the thoughts, and the mental functioning, you can become aware of this. You can become aware that who you are is the knower, and the mind is not you. It's not separate from you, the knower, but it's not limited. You're not limited to just that mind and thoughts. And you can see the training, just like the wolf boy might have been trained to use his teeth to rip apart any other animal that comes in his path for food. You were trained to believe your mind and your thoughts. So you're trained that if something is not meeting your satisfaction, if some desire is not to totally fulfilled, if something happens to your body and it's diagnosed with certain problems that you're going to have to put your attention on to solve, then the mind will function in a way that you will believe that the solutions will come from your mind. So you have to keep dwelling on the problem, chewing it, trying to find different angles of it, trying to use the mind to find some solutions to the problem. This is the functioning of the mind. Nothing's wrong. But now as a meditator, you become aware of how limited you become by that type of thinking. Because if a certain problem arises, then within your mind, then if you keep dwelling on it, oftentimes it's like having blinders on. The whole infinity of possibilities is not open to you. You're limited to only small possibilities that exist within the level of the mind. You're limited to your own thinking, conditioning, 
programming of how your mind has been set from a very early age. But if instead you go into meditation, you transcend the functioning of just the limited human mind, you become aware of space. And in that space or in that consciousness, there's an infinite amount of solutions because the very solution state is there where you feel fulfilled, complete, whole, one with all of humanity, one with all of creation. Just like the sky, everything is in you. You are not in the sky, everything is in you, the sky. So that switches your perception. So now this functioning that you become aware of, of your human mind, and the way it functions, is not seen as the solution. So even the mind, even though the mind keeps telling you that you have to figure it out, that you have to find a way, that you have to become satisfied even though you have this particular condition, that you have to get rid of this condition, that, that you can't be happy unless you're free from this person, free from this disease, free from this problem in your body, free from this job that you don't like. All these thoughts that the mind tells you, now you don't just believe them. You don't take them at face value because you know that the solutions are infinite. You know the infinite space, the indestructible, the Gita calls it Akshar Brahm, the indestructible creative force that you are. Now you tune into that infinity that you are rather than the limited mind, body, intellect, ego that as a human being you're trained to become. Just like the wolf boy again in that example is trained to become a wolf even though he's a human being. The divine being is trained to become a human being even though he or she is a divine being. So now you tune into the divinity that you are. By divinity I mean the whole, I mean the space, I mean the purity, the highest consciousness that you are. So now you're free from the destructive thinking that's only going on in your mind because you know you're not limited by that mind that you believed yourself to be. You're not limited by your thoughts. You can use your thoughts, you can use your mind as it will continue to look for solutions, but you can also transcend the mind and open up to the fullness of all the possibilities, all the solutions, the actual problem-free solution state that you are. And then whatever is happening to the body, you take care of it, you do the best you can, Whatever thoughts are in the mind, you deal with them to the best you can, but you're not limited. I think that's the key here to your freedom. You're not limited to the human consciousness, which is only the consciousness of the mind and the senses. You're not needing to satisfy the senses only in order for you to feel satisfied. You come to see that satisfaction is your true nature. Satisfaction is with you always then everything else is a bonus. This is what happens through the practice of meditation. This is what happens through listening 
to talks about meditation, to reading about meditation, to contemplating the meditative awareness, to meditation on your source. This comes now from becoming trained as a divine being rather than as a human being. So the wolf boy that now goes back into a a family of human parents now will slowly and slowly, gradually and gradually forget his wolf boy habits, his wolf boy thinking, his wolf boy instincts, and will slowly develop some language to speak as a human being, develop the ability to live in a home and to have the habits of his parents rather than of the wolf. So in the same way, when you put your attention now on the divine being through listening to talks of divinity of highest awareness, reading about it, contemplating it, meditating on it, now slowly and slowly you become that divine being. You get freed from the human consciousness because the human consciousness is where all the disturbance is, where all the suffering is, where all the pain is. If you remain a human being, nothing can change. You have to be a human being. The wolf has to be a wolf. So you will have desires that need to be fulfilled. You will have thinking that's disturbing, sometimes happy, sometimes unhappy. You will have physical problems that are sometimes disturbing or difficult. You will have family, communication, relationship problems because that's the way the human being functions. So no problem there. You accept that because you know that's how it functions. But now you as the knower, as the aware being, you have the ability to not limit yourself to that functioning. You have the ability through sadhana, through practice of amaramham, Madhuramham, over and over again, the mind becomes dissolved in its source, which is that immortality, which is that bliss that you are. So daily practice of Amaramham, Madhuramham, knowing the meaning, I am immortal, I am blissful, tunes you in, allows you now to be trained by the divinity, by the source being rather than by the human being, which says, I am mortal. I am sometimes happy, sometimes unhappy. I was born, I was go- or I am going to die. Instead, you, your training now becomes, I am the whole, I am the space, I am immortal, I am blissful, I am pure, free forever. I have never been born, I will never die. I am that which always was. I am that indestructible Akshar Brahm. That space is who I am, who you are, who all this is. And there is one consciousness that is moving everything. There is one being. And I am not separate from that. I am that. And when that sense of separation appears through the human chit or mind or consciousness, then I begin to believe I am limited. I am a human being with these thoughts. And then the solution is limited only on that level. So through meditation, 
on that pure being, on the knower, on the source, again and again, every day, you slowly and slowly develop your ability to know yourself, to know the whole, to live in the state of freedom. And then thoughts in your mind, whether happy thoughts, peaceful thoughts, or whether disturbing thoughts, destructive thoughts, they're not you. You're not bound by them. And the human functioning can continue on as it will, because that is the nature of this human existence. But you remain free. You know yourself as pure, free, forever. Amaram Maduram. Amaram Ham. Maduram Ham. 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 Amaram Ham. Maduram.